0: Uh, One ticket for And Why Not, please. So two of the And Why Not 90s comic book movie special mini-series. Uh, it's the movie podcast from The Nerds Who Haunts Themselves. Um, yeah, this like I say, this is the second part in our uh, ongoing 90s mini-series. Um, there's six in total. We did The Shadow last week with Alan Henderson, so if you haven't heard that yet, uh, check the feed and go back and give that a listen. And uh, We've still got The Phantom, The Rocketeer, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and The Crow coming off. Coming off, coming up. Um, but this week uh, I was joined by Um, all-star superfan co-host rob o'connor to talk about the 1990 film version of dick tracy Um, i love dick tracy i think it will come across in the episode hopefully and uh, rob does too and i really enjoy talking to him about it and i hope you enjoy listening to the episode as well Uh, yeah so that's enough rambling from me let's roll the episode
1: I'm taking this bomb out of the headlines. I'm rubbing him out. It's Tracy, watch out! You take Tracy to me. I say we kill Tracy now. You challenge me, we all go down! Ashs gonna arrest me? I wanna know who killed Lips Manless. Not the bad! Not the bad! boy, not the bad! I know, and I'm gonna miss you. But all's fair in love and business. Whose side are you on? side so I'm always on. Mine. Lionel! that's territory is my territory now everything he owns, I own. move in and take your positions okay boys let's go and you are guilty of attempting to bribe an officer of the law she does some nifty undercover work that dick tracy drives you crazy doesn't it? All right, that's i want See, what's good? Good luck. You have just said goodbye to oxygen. Aren't you gonna frisk me? Stupid cop, Tracy? One baby is Dick Tracy.
2: Hello Rob, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you, Stuart? I'm good, thank you.
1: Uh, Yeah,
0: ticking over, surviving this new world we live in. (laughs) Brave new world. Yes, indeed. Although, to be fair, I've always been fairly antisocial, so it's not really changed for me. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, um,
2: anything exciting been going on or? Uh, nothing too exciting. Planning my first trip abroad in about two years and uh, p- cleaning my little office area so that my brother-in-law can mind our cat. So it's, it, I've had to pack away a lot of action figures that are lying around the room, um, which is wonderful for a 31-year-old man to have to do. But yeah, pretty, pretty good. No complaints. You, you get the fun of putting it all back out though exactly i, I yeah. recently got yeah.
0: new shelves so i've got to put everything back out even though i've got to box it all up again so we can get a new floor laid so i get the joy of packing it up and unpacking it all again <laughs> that's
2: I part just, of the fun, isn't it exactly. I, I have this um i had I this like ninja turtles playset that folds up into a pizza box so i i actually really like having to put it away because it, it means folding it back into a pizza box so think,
0: um, i'm looking is forward that from to the that. not the most recent series the series before
2: I I think it might be yeah I yeah. I bought it in a charity shop for for like one euro a couple of years ago and I nice. just thought it was the, the most amazing thing and then in another charity shop across the road I got a bag of the um the figures from the the 1987 uh, turtles and they're a all split. in like perfect nick so I just have them all displayed in this nice little playset it's great see
0: everybody seems to find really cool stuff in charity shops but me whenever I go in there it's just like a he man figure missing an arm. <laughs> So that's not like, anything cool but everybody or, else is
2: like look at all these comics i got for a quid it's like jesus <laughs> yeah like a, or like a broken transformer or something yeah no i i, I kind of where i work I, I i'm a tv producer i work in a production company and right next to the production company there's just a row of about six or seven charity shops it's really strange nice. and i kind of just go to them on my lunch break and i find the weirdest thing but like you kind of have to frequent them in order to find anything good like yeah. i found a I found a, a pre-special edition Star Wars VHS one time, Nice. Which I thought was really exciting. Um, what else? I've, loads of bits and pieces. Loads of kind of like weird, random autobiographies. I found Nichelle Nichols' autobiography one time. <laughs> <laughs> some, some, some Trekkies living around where I work, apparently. Um, yeah, lots of kind of cool bits and pieces. But definitely the best thing I ever found was this Turtles thing, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think the only two cool things i found in a charity shop, and actually they were found for me and I got people to pick them up for me, was a Murder Wrote puzzle. Ooh. And the um, Richard Donner Superman soundtrack on vinyl.
2: Oh, amazing. That's a good find.
0: So, yeah. which, But now charity shops have sort of got wires to eBay. They tend to look at to see what things are actually selling for. So it's not quite as affordable as it used to be,
2: so... Yeah, that's probably why they're all full of trash and it's so rare yeah. that you find kind of proper goodies. That's it. But one day,
0: one day I'll get some gold, but it tends to be just old James Bond books I pick up. Even though I've got them, it's got a different cover. So.
2: <laughs> definitely. I definitely approve of that. I, I have all those as well. The old pan books that are completely worthless, but look amazing. You can kind oh, of they got gorgeous amazing. covers,
0: some of them, though. Yeah. It's like, but yeah, even though my wife is like, why have you got three copies of Dr. No? <laughs> I need three covers of Doctor No. They're all different, <laughs> but but yeah, no. Today we are talking Dick Tracy, though, not James Bond. As much as I would love to talk James Bond, so I might have to have you back on to do a Bond one.
2: One hundred percent, have me back on to do a Bond one. Yeah, I'd love that. Awesome. Well, yeah, so some some solid Dick, I think, is what we're talking yes. today. <laughs> that came up somewhere else today.
0: Oh, well, that fake Iron Man comic panel. Oh, yeah, Kat I, I need, need some solid dick. I need some solid dick, yeah. Even though it's been altered, but people love that sort of stuff. But, yeah, so anyway, uh, Dick Tracy, the 1990, 1990, 1990, 1990 Warren Beatty film, uh, written by Jim Cash and Jack Eeps Jr., based on characters created by Chester Gould, starring Warren Beatty, Madonna, Al Pacino, Glenn Headley, uh, Charlie Cosmo. Dustin Hoffman, William Forsythe and so many other famous people Um, released in cinemas in the US on the 14th of June 1990. We got it over here on the 6th of July of the same year. It grossed one hundred and sixty two million seven hundred thirty eight thousand seven hundred twenty dollars worldwide on an estimated budget of forty seven million plus whatever they spent on uh, publicizing it. I think it was about the same. Uh, one Oscar's for art and set direct, um, art and set direction, makeup and original song for Sooner or Later. Uh, one BAFTAs for makeup and production design. And Roger Ebert gave it four stars out of four, saying Dick Tracy is a masterpiece of studio artist artificially artificiality, sorry, uh, of map drawings and miniatures op, um, and optical effects. Uh, it creates a world that never could be. It's one of the most original and visionary fantasies I've seen on screen, and I would tend to agree with that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, 100%. Um, I'm surprised to hear him speak. So it it feels like he'd be the kind of guy who wouldn't like this movie. But um, no, I completely, completely agree. It's an underrated masterpiece is is how I'd refer to it. And it's it's such a shame that more people kind of our age and um, and younger aren't kind of as in love with it as I am. I I just I think it's so charming. It's so lovely. And every time I watch it, I kind of I, I grow more and more fond of it, you know, Um I, I really, really love this movie.
0: It, yeah, it's one of those films I absolutely love. I watched it over and over as a kid to the point where I got sick of it, to the point now where I'll rewatch it once a year at most. Purely because I don't want it. to. It feels like discovering it again each time. Yeah. Whereas I think if I watch it too much, there's the danger of
2: I I feel like I I have a memory of my mother saying when I was nine, and this this isn't the film exactly. It's the audio action adventure, uh, which is the the kind of comic adaptation of the movie. And it came with a little cassette tape. And I listened to that cassette tape so often um, that my mother um, described it as being similar to Chinese water torture. She said (laughs) she she, or or she she likened to some form of torture that they do in China where they expose you to something like constantly for. For days at a time until you're just like screaming in agony and that's that's what it was like for her having to listen to this dick tracy uh, adaptation again and again and like my dad would just go around the house saying tracy 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 <laughs> um, so so they were like kind of subject to my love of this film and it's uh, and it's merchandise
0: yeah see i was so excited for this film when it came out it was people seem to forget Everybody remembers Batmania from the year before. Mm. but Dick Tracy stuff was everywhere as well. Um, I was massively hyped for it. I was so excited when we went to see it at the cinema. Um, We had a McDonald's Happy Meal beforehand, so I got one of the Dick Tracy badges. Unfortunately, I think I got the kid, which kind of... The kid's a cool character, but you want the Dick Tracy badge. Um, Yeah, then we went to watch the film at the cinema, and I absolutely fucking loved it. Um, I bought, with my birthday money, as many of the toys as I could get. Which I was sort of on the cusp of potentially being too old for toys, but I'm now 42 and surrounded by them. So.
2: <laughs> I hear you.
0: So, but I don't care anymore. <laughs> uh, my only regret is I don't have all those toys that I originally had. So yeah. the only one I could never get that I always wanted was the car.
2: Well, I'd um, kill what,
0: for the Dick Tracy police car.
2: What, what did the car look? It was it was like an old timey police car kind of thing, was it? Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty much. Yeah, the, like the
0: car in the, in the film, just as a toy. I think it only had the two front seats. It didn't have back seats. I might be wrong, but right. I've looked on eBay several times. But to pay to import it from America just costs too much. Yeah, it's, so, no. it's a tough sell to the wife.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear Especially that. Especially
0: as it'll probably end up in the Dick Tracy box in the loft till the kids move out. So, so I've got grand plans for when the kids move out. I'm going to bring all my stuff back down, but they'll probably never move out.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: but. Yes. Yeah, so, so how did you discover it? Was it when it came out or years later? Or
2: it, it was years later. I mean, just to put it into context, I was born in 1989. Sorry to make you feel old. Um, Sorry. <laughs> so I was I was definitely too young when it came out, obviously. And um, I do have like one of my very, very earliest memories is watching the scene uh, shortly after the explosion. Um I, I remember seeing that on TV. I must have been about three or four and I distinctly remember Dick Tracy's kind of long yellow coat and stuff like that. It's it's one of those indelible kind of images in my mind. But when I properly discovered this movie, it, it must have been 1999. I found this uh, audio action adventure in a pound shop. So it it was like one pound for this um this comic that came out a cassette. And I went home and listened to it. And I thought this is amazing. I went out and got the the second volume of it, which was the rest of the movie essentially loved that. And then about a a couple of months later, I noticed it was coming on TV. And by this point, I'd kind of figured out that the audio action adventure was a like an adaptation of this movie that had come out. So the movie was going to be on TV. I was really, really excited. I sat down and taped it as I was watching it. And I remember watching it. And even though I knew everything that was going to happen, I was still just transfixed by it. I thought it was amazing. I remember turning to my brother halfway through the movie and going, this is great, isn't it? And um, I still have that VHS to this day. The one I taped in 1999, I still have it and it still works. Um, and there was definitely a period in that year where I was watching it every day. Like I just thought it was so much fun. And um, yeah, I still, I still watch it probably once a year now. Um so, and, and uh, yeah, I just, the, the more I watch it now, especially in kind of the, the sort of modern CGI era where nothing is real and everything is kind of a cartoon, it's just so special to be able to go back to a movie like this with such rich production design. And, you know, like I always think about that. There's this one scene where Tracy walks past a radio and it's this really exaggerated, like 1930s radio with these big cartoon dials on it and all this. And every time I watch the movie, I'm like, somebody had to build that prop that just completely random prop. That's only in this one scene for that one shot. And it still looks amazing. And I want to reach out and I want to find out where it is. I want to, you know, reach out and touch it. I want to buy it. You know, nowadays that would just be, you know, it, it would be nothing. It would, just, you know, that kind of way. It's, it's, yeah. it's just such a, it's such a gift, the whole movie. Um, And and I'm, every time I watch it, I'm, I'm just that little bit more ashamed that it didn't kind of capture the public attention as much as stuff like, you know, Batman or Indiana Jones or, you know, the, the James Bonds that would have been around at that time. I, I, I think it's, it it's as good, and it's actually aged beautifully, um, even compared to some of those movies. I think in some ways, it's probably better than some of those movies that are more fondly remembered, you know?
0: Yeah, I um, mean, it's got, it's a bit like The Rocketeer, it's got that sort of timeless look as well, so you can sort of mm. look at it and be like, that could have been made last year. Admittedly, like, you know, Warren Beatty's 30 years younger, <laughs> but otherwise, like, visually, there's nothing about it that sort of dates it, for me. Um, no, I, I think because it's practical sets and it's on a set but it doesn't look it I mean it looks like it's on a set but in the right way yes exactly
2: yeah it kind of has that old timey movie feel but in 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 a way that kind of invites you into the world as opposed to you know reminds you of the limitations of it or something yeah yeah Uh, it's yeah it's and I mean just the color
0: it's (laughs) it's it's a beautiful film especially in HD
2: (laughs) yeah no it's 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 glorious in hd Um there's definitely a couple of um key additions that i'm sure i would have noticed as a kid um mainly from madonna that yeah. um <laughs> i i won't say exactly what, I'm, but i'm sure you can imagine um when, when, when i saw the movie first on hd i was like wow i didn't <laughs> definitely haven't seen those before um there's a couple of things like that and uh and yeah no it's it's
0: you it's probably amazing. have just not in that film
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so. no it's 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 a great one to and 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 again that's true of all those kind of movies from you know the the sort of pre-cgi era that they just look better and better um you know when that when they when they're when they're brought the, the the only the only movies i kind of have trouble with when they when they finally bring them into hd is the, the the sort of rear projection heavy type movies yeah so your old james bonds some of the supermans as well are a little bit victim to that it's like you know, rear projection was only going to look so good for so long, and you know, when you try to improve the image clarity, it doesn't necessarily, um, you know, follow suit. But whereas yes. Dick Tracy doesn't really have a lot of that, so it's kind of okay. Yeah, some things sort of lend themselves to a softer focus.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it's um, so yeah, so you discovered it on telly, and um. I, yeah like I say it was the cinema for me I was caught up in that Dick Tracy hype um, I suppose there wasn't much else around Dick Tracy wise at the time then to get sort of caught up in other than reprints of the comics and that sort of thing did you sort of fall down that rabbit hole or was it purely the film for you?
2: It, it, purely the film only because there was nowhere else to kind of experience Dick Tracy like I, I, I did try to seek out the comics and I, I feel like I remember going on the uh, quote-unquote worldwide web, which it was still kind of <laughs> referred to back then. Um, I remember kind of going on that early 90s, like it would have been 1999, so the internet was kind of taken off, but it was still very much the dial-up kind of, yeah. you know, really basic blocky kind of websites and stuff. And I remember looking up kind of the comic book origins of Dick Tracy and all the different characters, and I remember reading about the blank and um, you know, all the storylines where they showed up in and stuff like that. But it was difficult to kind of track down, you know, it wasn't like Batman or whatever, where there was an ongoing comic and there was, yeah. you know, all these volumes of things you could read and all that. It was it was a little bit trickier to kind of try and find stuff. I definitely remember owning at least one um, comic. Now, now, when I say comic, it was literally like a 22 page comic and it it collected some configuration of some of the more recent strips in black and white. Um, I definitely had that. Um, but I don't I didn't own any sort of big sort of collections of the of the the comic strips or anything like that. And I've I've often kind of thought about maybe looking into getting one of those because I would like to go back and kind of discover where all these characters came from. Because the while the movie is great, there's loads of characters in it that are in it for like a split second or they're only in it for one scene and then they die yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they're these huge characters with these huge mythologies in, in the comic strips. I'd love to go back and discover all that.
0: Yeah, there's some IDW did some really nice hardback reprints of the dailies, but some of them are out of print now. I think I collected up to number 10, and then Money Wise that to drop off, and now it's impossible to get the ones in the middle, or unless you're willing to pay hundreds of pounds. But they did some really nice sets. I'm hoping they'll reprint them at some point.
2: See, I I, I do know about those, and I have seen them, and they look lovely. But I'm I'm a big digital comics reader now as well. I love to um, read stuff on my tablet because – Again, as I'm sure you can relate to, space is uh, is an issue uh, the older you get and that, you know, that when you're moving to apartments and things like that, you, you can't have these big hardback editions and stuff. So I love reading stuff on my tablet and I, I'd happily buy those if, the, if they released them on digital. Um, I do know that there was, there was a series called Dick Tracy Forever by, I think it was IDW in recent years. I, I read that and I remember that being pretty good. And then there was one i can't remember what it was it called calling dick tracy it was it was, it was something dead or sim-
0: alive it was dick tracy forever and dead or alive were the last two i think um yeah which i liked but they set them in a contemporary setting which was a little bit weird for me yeah <laughs> not, I, not that i'm a purist and i get why they did it but at the same time i, was kind of like, no, I just like that 30s vibe
2: <laughs> And and actually now that you say that like I think the comic I did on as a kid, it was that contemporary setting. It was like Dick Tracy on a computer doing research and stuff. And I was like, oh, this isn't this isn't what I wanted. I wanted to read him kind of in those throwback kind of 1930s kind of vibes, you know? Yeah, because
0: I love the whole thing. Like his office is sparse. It's just the desk. There's nothing really behind him apart from like a unit, but nothing on it. No pictures on the wall. It's it's like weirdly bare, but at the same time, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I say you that like, as you've seen all the shit behind me. So. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, yeah. Like it, it, when you kind of realize that Dick Tracy, the comics, they, they didn't actually just stay in the 30s forever. They did continue. And there's all these weird ones where he goes to space and he goes to the moon. And his yeah. watch became this kind of James Bond gadget that could do all this different stuff. And it, it, it became known more so as a TV watch than anything else. Like, it was a very conscious decision, I think, by Warren Beatty to kind of go, actually, no, I want to I want to make a Dick Tracy movie, but I specifically want to make one set in the 30s. Yeah, I 100
0: percent think that was the right. I think Dick Tracy on the moon's a bit. <laughs> I think that would have been a harder sell, weirdly. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I, I don't I don't uh, I don't, I don't know why that would be. But no, I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, no,
0: from what I remember, the books, they sort of followed through. So Tracy got older and the kid got older. Um, I seem to remember one where the kid's fiance got blown up. Oh goodness. So I think that's in that Dick Tracy case book that I used to read. That I showed you earlier. But it's, um I I think I love the comics, but it's always the film first for me. Yeah, um, I'm the same. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's just such a I don't know it's one of those films that I'm almost glad they didn't make a sequel. I think it's a perfect one and done. I mean, there's potential for the sequel, even though you kind of think like you pretty much brought in so many characters just to kill off.
2: Yeah. It's like, did you want to make a sequel? Yeah, uh, totally. Like, I mean, yeah. Some of the biggest Dick Tracy, uh, to my understanding, anyway, some of the bigger Dick Tracy villains all die in this film. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, I was always heartbroken that they killed the brow off in the opening scene pretty much. mm. Um, cause although he's a shit in the comics, like, you know, he's a nasty character in the comics, but I used to watch the cartoon that has not aged well. It's horribly racist.
2: Oh dear. And I've got
0: it. I bought it on DVD cause I had fond memories of watching it as a kid and I put a couple on I said, this is horrible. Oh no. I think I bought it in the early 2000s and even then before everybody was more acute to it, I was kind of like, this is really, you couldn't, know. <laughs>
2: It's probably like that uh, that old Batman serial from the early 40s where yeah. the villain, villain is Japanese but he's played by a white guy in makeup and it's it's disgustingly racist.
0: Yeah, there's a, a Japanese or a Chinese detective and a Mexican one and they're every racial stereotype they could get in. Which is a oh shame because apart from those, it's quite an enjoyable cartoon. Mm. So there's some decent episodes, even though Dick Tracy's only in to bookend each episode. Um but they used to show that around the time the film's coming out on whatever the cartoon network was at that time. Okay. Over here. Well it might have been the children's channel. I can't remember what they called it. Um so yeah, I used to watch that before I went to school in the morning. Um Which again sort of added to that hype train. But yeah, it's not one to check out now. <laughs>
2: Can I ask, did you were you aware that of what the like was the character in the zeitgeist in the run up to the movie or did you kind of only become aware of the character in the run up to the movie? Because I'm always purely
0: because of the movie. Yeah. I think. um, Yeah, I don't remember being aware of anything Dick Tracy before, and it was purely the advertising, just the colors on it, I think is what caught my eye. And then I, because, again, no Internet in 1990 so it was little bits you'd pick up from picking up magazines or the sticker album that mm. and just from there sort of spiraled from that um, yeah like i said i saw it once at the cinema and then for whatever reason i think it came out at a weird time on video it's like between birthday like after christmas and before my birthday mm. so we never i never actually got around to getting it on video because it was something you'd ask for as a birthday present kind of thing. Mm. So we had to wait for it to come on sky movies. And then my mum had to go into the shop in town to get them to add the movie channels to sky, just so we could watch and take Dick Tracy. Oh wow. And then like you, I had a video copy for years that we taped off sky movies that I just watched over and over again. Um, until I sort of got into Batman and Dick Tracy slipped by the wayside as things do when you're a kid going into teens. Yeah. Um, i think part of the problem was i made the mistake of wearing my dick tracy watch to senior school one day and that didn't end well oh dear <laughs>
2: what, what was it when you say dick tracy watch now i'm getting very it, excited
0: no it was the plastic one okay that used to have a torch in it so where you pressed it the bit you're talking to lit up
2: but you didn't talk okay. into
0: it it was just a digital watch kind of thing I've got one in the loft now that i've re-bought, but, um because mine didn't have a good life um but yeah, I just wasn't thinking, put it on, wore it to school, somebody saw it, and that was the end of it. <laughs> oh no, yeah. In that way that kids are so understanding. Yeah. And it wasn't even like I was like, I'm going to wear my Dick Tracy watch and I'm going to be this shit at school today. <laughs> <laughs> it was very much a, uh, shit, why did I wear that?
2: <laughs> yeah, I've been there, don't worry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it, it was that time when you couldn't. It's not like now where you can say you like Iron Man or Batman or Superman and everybody's cool with it because there's movies. It was,
1: <laughs> it was very much feel, not the feel, cool thing.
2: I feel like there'll always be that kind of cruel element of being a kid where if someone knows you like something a great deal, they're always going to poke fun at you for it, even yeah. if that thing is like slightly more acceptable nowadays than maybe it once was, you
1: know? Come in, Pat. This is Tracy. we got five dead men at the 7th Street garage, and nobody knows who they are. you better get over here right away. I'm on my way. I'll be back. I want to know how it comes out. Excuse me. Excuse me? Sorry. Hello, boys. Tracy. Tracy, we're glad to see you. Tracy, whoever they are, they're all dead. Five dead men, Tracy, and we don't even know who they are. Whoever did it took their identification. They didn't take a dime. Big boy, Caprice. Everything alright, Tracy? Fine, fine, just a little trouble downtown.
0: I vividly remember a scene that isn't in the film anymore mm. of him identifying the bodies of the hoods of Lipsmanalist's
2: hoods that are killed. I definitely have no memory of seeing that myself, but I feel like I've watched the making of. The movie somewhere. I think it might be on YouTube still, and
0: yeah, there is one on YouTube.
2: And could could it be featured in that? Do you think?
0: Possibly. I did mean to rewatch it before I did this, which I started it, but I've not got it. But yeah, quite possibly was that I saw it in something on TV run the film. But I'm always disappointed every time I go back to the film because I always forget it's not in there. Yeah. And I don't know it's, why, because it's just Dick Tracy. Lipton. I mean, it's a ridiculous scene when you think about it, because like we don't know who these guys are. It's like one guy has got a really big forehead; he's clearly the brow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's, these it's, people are named after their fucking physical features. It's, it's like, interesting. Though, little face.
2: <laughs> my uh, my friend Parker is a massive, massive fan of this movie, um, but he never knew what any of those characters were called because they're not named in the movie. And when you're a kid, you don't read the credits, so. Yeah. He never knew what they were called for for years, and I think he finally discovered by reading it on IMDb. But I always knew what they were called because the audio action adventure uh, <laughs> describes each of them as they're sitting around the table. And you know what is it like? The brow, shoulders, the stooge, little face, uh, little well, little face obviously, and um, rodent, the, the rodent, yeah, but the rodent is spelt like Rhode Island, which yeah. I always love. Um, and another thing I always notice watching it now. I never realized this as a kid. I always thought that little face had like a an a literal giant head. But it's actually it's a fourth perspective thing that they tried to do and it didn't work. Because I think what they were trying to do there was they were trying to um get across this idea that he has an above average size head, not a giant head, just a slightly above average size head, and he literally does have a tiny face within that head. But the way they film it, it just doesn't quite work. It just looks like he's got a ginormous head. But yeah, it, I read somewhere that they put a child actor in for
0: the shots of the face. Obviously made him look like an adult. And then from behind, it's just a normal size man.
2: Yeah, because with when, a slightly bigger head. <laughs> when when he gets shot to pieces, you do see him. He stands up and he's getting shot. And you can see that he just has a slightly bigger head than usual. Yeah. He doesn't have like a, you know... But when you see him from the front, it's like a really, really tight close up on his face. So it doesn't quite work. But there is a Topps trading card of of all the kind of gang of um, malevolent poker players kind of just sitting around to, uh, with their arms over each other. And Littleface is there and he's wearing this fake prop face. And it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> if you look it up, it's so good. I vaguely remember that publicity photo. And his face is just like tiny right in the middle of it. It's it's grotesque, but hilarious.
0: Like I say, it's such a weird choice because the brow for me was one of the best known characters as well. I was always really disappointed they killed him off. Like I said before, it's it's. But then, like we said, it's weird that they brought in so many characters just for weird cameos to either kill off or I think some got arrested where they then get out and then get murdered at the end or not murdered, but gunned down at the end.
2: I, I always say it, it would be like if you had the Riddler at the start of a Batman movie, just playing cards with someone and then yeah. the Joker runs in and kills him. Like it, it would just it's so it it is bizarre, like that. They just discard all these, you know, icons of, of the comic so quickly. But then again, like I, as far as I can, as far as I can gather that there, there was like there's legions of Dick Tracy villains that they yeah. could have brought in in sequels and stuff like that. So it's not like they were short.
0: No, I think there's several like Flat Top Junior and the Brow Junior or Mrs Brow or something like that. There's <laughs> definitely a Mrs Prune Face. Prune Face, ah, oh. uh, but it's um, it's I know because the film's in development for years. I think it was about 15 years in development with Warren Beatty in and out of being involved. Um, I think John Landis was involved at one point. I think they tried to get Spielberg to do it at one point. Um, I know at one point it was gonna have a dark much darker tone. Oh wow. Um which has got sort of in that Amblin movie kind of way, a slightly dark tone anyway, the idea of yeah. the bath terrified me as a kid. Just having cement poured on you and then dropped into the sea.
2: <laughs> not the bath, big boy, not the bath, not the bath. <laughs> I can hear that, yeah. No, yeah, that, that that was like the idea of drowning, I think is just inherently kind of uncomfortable when you're a child like it's a little bit more kind of frightening than someone just getting shot or something
0: that's it but in a box filled with it it was great because the lips manless figure came with little cement block feet that you can okay, clip on. onto the legs <laughs> <laughs> which again is such a dark thing for a toy it's like this is how he died <laughs> except it was all over him
1: big boy ain't we pals no pals in this business lips you taught me that sign it to the club ritz that's right i'm going into show business now your dirty lips you need a bat not the bat not the bat <laughs> big boy not the bat <laughs> big boy we're friends big boy not the bat not the bat my friend. i know and i'm gonna miss you but all's fair in love and business benjamin franklin how you, see me? you Me? How do you want it? Want it? Around me. If a woman don't wear mink, she don't wear nothing. Well, I look good both ways. almost Wipe it off. <laughs> All right, put the word out! Lips territory is my territory now. Everyone who worked for him is working for me. Everything he owned, I own. Let's get out of here. Cover that trap door.
0: Very much a prussian project, I think, for Warren Beatty, to the point where he bought the rights. Um and I think that's why there's been issues with like it not being on Disney Plus or
2: It's not on ever Disney being Plus, a Captain
0: No, I looked for it because I thought Oh
2: wow. Yeah. You know,
0: in the days of streaming it's easier than just getting things off the shelf and
2: <laughs> Yeah, I I gotta say I, I have so much goodwill towards Warren Beatty for this movie, but god damn it man, just like let somebody else do something with it. As as far as I can gather, the reason nothing has been done with dick tracy at all in other media is because warren bailey just keeps saying no i'm gonna i'm i'm just gonna hold on to these well yeah he um, did that weird dick
0: tracy special in 2008 what where the hell was that he got interviewed as dick tracy and it's like this is a fun curio but it's also really weird and annoying um
2: yeah and it was totally just to hold on to the rights wasn't it
0: yeah i think so i mean he, he never out and out said it but i'm pretty sure it was purely a to show he had intentions to do stuff with Dick Tracy. Um The annoying thing is is that Bruce Campbell wanted to make a TV series.
2: Oh, that would have been great. That Bruce Campbell would have
0: Campbell been so amazing as Dick Tracy. But I mean, on the side of the films, I'm quite happy if this is the only Dick Tracy film I get in my lifetime. I can be perfectly happy
2: with that. <laughs> yeah, I I the, I I heard somewhere as well that they were gonna do a CW show. And I know people have their issues with the CW and stuff like that, but I mean It was around the time of Riverdale and I remember thinking if they did a Dick Tracy show like this that that could actually be really cool like it could be really interesting you know like setting in kind of sort of that Batman the animated series thing where it's not entirely clear what time period it's set in so you have old timey cars and everything looks very picturesque and old-fashioned and traditional and all that but but then if you need to bring in mobile phones and computers, you can do that as well. It's just, it's always going to have this kind of throwback look to it as well. I thought that that could potentially be really, really cool. But again, I think Warren Beatty said no.
0: <laughs> yeah. Again, I'd love to see like a Batman the animated series version of Dick Tracy. I, as a drawing project, did a load of drawings of Dick Tracy characters in that Bruce Timm stan, uh, style, mm. which except, you know, I did them. So not as good, but um, that sort of really captured my imagination of, what that could be that could be great Um,
2: it's 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 funny that you say that actually because there is a um i i'm sure you know you're familiar with the the kenner batman the animated series toys yes um there was a figure called transforming bruce wayne i think it was called from the new batman Adventures so the the controversial redesign era that they had in like the late 90s where they redesigned the uh the batman and all the villains and all that kind of stuff and Worked for some characters, but not the Joker. Exactly. Yeah. But like I think I think Batman himself looked pretty good, but a lot of the other characters didn't look great. But the 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 every Kenner series had a figure where Bruce Wayne would turn into Batman, and this was that yeah. one. And he he wore this big um he wore this big kind of red trench coat with yeah. a black suit underneath and red tie. And I used to use that as my Dick Tracy figure because it was the closest thing I had to you know, something that looked like Dick Tra- And I feel like I may have fashioned a hat for him as well. Nice.
0: I think that was what sort of set me off on that trail of thought. It's the bit in Batman Master the Phantasm where his hair's wet and he sweeps it back. And there's a, he has a brief look. And I'm like, that's such a Dick Tracy look. It's yeah. just a weird little bit. But it sort of set me on that trailer thought. But that would be great. I mean, like I say, the Bruce Campbell TV series would have been amazing as well. But... I kind of get Warren Beatty holding on to it, but at the same time, kind of, you know, it doesn't have to be a film. You can let somebody else do it. It won't get in the way of your film thing. Plus, I, I, I could you're kind too of... old to play Dick Tracy now. Yeah, see, that's
2: the thing. I mean, like, arguably,
0: I... you were pushing it in 1990, but I loved it as Dick Tracy, so I'll let like... it
2: slide. That's the thing. Like it, throughout the nineties and even the early to mid two thousands, it was kind of like, yeah, maybe he'll come back and do another one. He'll he'll be like old man Dick Tracy or something like that. But now he's like, it, is he in his nineties yet? Like, he's, he's definitely not coming back. Eighties
0: something, I think. But no, he's not. He's got no intention of making a sequel. <laughs> well, I say he's got no intention. He he'll surprise us now tomorrow and be like Dick Tracy two in production. It's like shit. <laughs> It was that period in 2015, I think it was, he finally announced he was going to do a sequel, but he had been doing that off and on for years. Yeah. Um, I think it's the same as the rumours that there'll be a director's cut at some point, but I get the feeling with Warren Beatty that the film that was put out was the director's cut. I think that's just fanboy wishful thinking, unfortunately. Because I'd love to course. see the scene put back in that I vividly remember of him pulling the sheets
2: back. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. A director's co- like is is there a substantial amount of material missing from the movie do you know or there's
0: there were rumors that i don't think anybody had ever been able to substantiate that i think possibly turned out to be something that somebody made up that there was a two hour 12 minute cut of the film okay but, and there were also rumors that there was going to be a blu-ray release with special features but i think from everything i've ever seen of warren beatty he's got no interest in director's commentaries or makings of and that sort of thing um i'd love a just a really good book on the making of the film if we can't get a documentary or anything like that just or just if i could have the opportunity to sit down with warren Beatty and just fanboy out on him about the film yeah i don't think he'd stand for that sort of shit (laughs) just me full star trek nerd kind of like and then in this scene it's like get this kid out of it (laughs) but but yeah it's like say it's It's sort of the 90s were a wonderful time for comic book movies. I know everybody, this new Marvel era and the DCEU and the CW stuff. So everybody holds this up as the golden age. But I was much more interested in the early 90s where people were doing things like Dick Tracy, The Shadow, pretty much all the films I'm talking about in this series. Mm. (laughs) Sort of taking a punt on weird things that you either never heard of or have vague recollections of.
2: Um, yeah and the, they were all kind of you know that they took the central idea of tim burton's batman which is like stylized uh throwback sort of uh you know moody broody kind of hero who strikes from the shadows um and they, they, they kind of just all were variations on that like the phantom and the shadow and i i think to a much lesser extent dick tracy but i think even dick tracy had like the, the danny elfman theme and the city is is quite um it's definitely comparable to to gotham in many ways even though gotham was kind of a mixture of different times whereas this is firmly the 1930s um, yeah
0: i mean i think they were counting on it being disney's batman and i think although it made a profit and was generally reasonably well received um it just didn't do the batman numbers unfortunately yeah, and,
2: i was kind of asking you this earlier on like i i think the problem was like batman was this iconic generational character that that every generation had some love for batman and even even kids at the time probably grew up with like super friends and stuff and the repeats of the adam west show and all that kind of stuff whereas dick tracy even even as far back as 1990 it feels like dick tracy was very much a relic of of the past you know like occasionally when you're watching i was watching french connection last week and and one of the guys in that's like he says to Gene Hackman's like who are you Dick Tracy, and and then I know there's that line in A View to a Kill as well where, you know James Bond is like oh I'm James Bond and he's like well well I'm Dick Tracy and you're still under arrest. Like occasionally you'll hear pop culture references, but it does feel like it was this thing for much older people that was around in like the 40s and the 50s and hadn't been around since effectively. Um, no, I think
0: it was a constant in America, certainly within newspapers and. In certainly in Chicago. Okay. Um, I imagine it was a syndicated strip nationwide and other papers as well. Um, I think now you mention it, View to a Kill was probably my first exposure to Dick Tracy, but I had no idea who it was, so it was just kind of like, I don't get that reference. (laughs) But yeah, no, like I say, 1990 was everywhere. I mean, they certainly followed the Batman model for marketing Mm. uh, to the point where they cut right back when they did the marketing for The Rocketeer and that film suffered for that. Um, whether they overexposed it, because there was three soundtracks, of which I have all three for Dick Tracy. Really? Yeah, you had the Madonna I'm Breathless album, Okay. which has um, I think it's the three songs from the film, but then it's like Vogue and Hanky Panky and all the ones that aren't in the film. But it was sort of done to tie in with Dick Tracy. You had the album of songs from the film which aren't actually in the film. It's like Ice-T singing Dick Tracy and it's not a great album to be fair Amazing. and then you have the Danny Elfman score which is a Danny Elfman score so it's great if you like Danny Elfman
2: I uh, I do love this I and I, I particularly love um this score because it's you know in many ways it's similar to you know stuff like Batman and you know he he did the flash around the same time and you can kind of hear similarities in some bits I but see, then there's Dark other as well
0: you yeah. sort of if you put, yeah.
2: blindly picked a random track from it, I couldn't necessarily tell
0: you what <laughs> film it is.
2: But, but <laughs> st- stuff like that, the the theme he comes up with for Tess Trueheart and the team, the theme he comes up with for Breathless Mahoney are so different to a lot of the stuff you'd usually hear Danny Elfman, especially the test theme. I love that theme. There's it's a wonderful a, Gershwin feel to it. Yeah. It's just such a throwback to kind of old Hollywood sort of love story type stuff. And, it it really evokes her character, like it, you get this feeling of you know the old girl back home, who has always been there for you and has been with you through the thick and thin. And then and it, it, he contrasts it then with the Breathless Mahoney team, where which is much more of a kind of like a tragic femme fatale team. And they're, they're really every time I watch the movie now, I'm I'm struck by how much I I like those themes. And there's that great bit where Dick Tracy is talking to Breathless on the harbor. And she's trying to, she's still trying to seduce him. And then the test theme kind of creeps in. You, you realize that he's never going to kind of betray his his great love. And I, I just think it's it's really nice. And then the movie ends with the test theme again. And yeah, it's it's so different to what we're kind of used to hearing Danny Elfman do, which is all just sort of, you know, gothic operas and. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, there's very much a Danny Elfman sound, isn't it? <laughs>
0: but I mean, sort of on the cast, Madonna is
1: superb are you going to arrest me? If I were going to arrest you, I'd have done it by now. Then what are you up to, honey? I think Lips Manless is dead, and I want you to tell me who killed him. Or maybe you weren't on his side. Whose side are you on? The so side I'm always on. Mine. No grief for Lips? I'm wearing black underwear. You know it's legal for me to take you down to the station and sweat it out of you under the lights. I sweat a lot better in the dark. I know how you feel. You don't know if you want to hit me or kiss me. I get a lot of that. Look, you're safe. Big boy's in jail. You're the one that can keep him there. Give me a call.
0: Yeah, Madonna's Breathless, who, from what I've read, took a pay cut, worked for scale so she could play the part. Wow. So and I believe, like, whether it's true or not, that Michelle Pfeiffer was offered the role and various hot actresses at the time. Um, But I I can't imagine anybody other than Madonna in the part, to be honest. It's, It's almost like if there was ever a part written for Madonna, it's this one
2: yeah and and it's it's that crucial point in her career where she was really at the height of her powers, wasn't she like she was yeah. the the most famous uh woman in the world, the sexiest woman in the world like it was the perfect time to have her in a movie like this um so yeah no like I always think of that that initial scene where you know where her back is turned to the camera and then she turns around like it's pure kind of movie started at magic like it's 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 great like and even though there are some bits where you know some of her acting leaves something to be desired I, I think in some scenes her star power kind of carries her throughout anyway which yeah. um is is the sign of a true kind of uh you know movie icon kind of thing so i yeah no I, I really like madonna in this movie and i love all the songs like
0: yeah um back in business i love that whole montage
2: yeah it's so good like and he's he's dancing on the table and the, throwing the chips in the air and Oh God, Al Pacino! Yes, Al Pacino looks like he's having a
0: blast making this film. I know he was heavily involved with the look of Big Boy because Big Boy looks different in the in the comic strip. That's right. He's just like he's essentially meant to be Al Capone um, in the comic, but I know Al Pacino was involved in the makeup and the look of it. But he just he might have hated every minute of it, but he looks like he's having so much fun. The bit like, where he's um teaching Madonna to sing and dance. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: scene is great the whole bit with him and Tess at the end where he's like I've been set up to look like I'm kidnapping you I'm kidnapping you now but this is all a misunderstanding
2: can't you see that I love you <laughs> that's my favorite bit such a great bit. he's just like ranting Shakespeare or something at her like he's just completely lost his mind it's so good and just the whole
0: like your dad walking around the house saying it the whole Tracy rant Tracy yeah. Tracy Trace. but and I mean Some people think it's weird he got an Oscar nomination for that. But
2: But like (laughs) like, when you think about it, that's what I want to see an
0: Oscar nomination for.
2: Yeah, exactly. And like in so many ways, to me, this is kind of like a pivotal moment in Al Pacino's career where he kind of turned away from kind of the Michael Corleone's and the, you know, all all these kind of understated performances that he built his career on. And he just went for that hoo-ha, ham and cheese, like everything after this, like. What what is it a scent of a woman like it's yeah. oh charlie john daniels you, you know him as long as me his name's john like all that stuff st- sort of stems from big boy um for me and even like the irish man last year i was like i was expecting dick tracy to show up in that movie because he's so <laughs> similar to big boy And you know? never put fish in your car
0: so, well i mean as a kid i had no idea who these people were i didn't even know who warren Beatty was which he'd just come off ishtar so he wasn't sort of at the top of his Warren Beattyness, either mm. um I think I've seen Ishtar once and didn't hate it I don't think it's as bad as everybody makes it out to be but um so yeah it wasn't like he was top of his game to be a top build actor in the, the you know the big draw for I guess in Madonna was the big draw mm. but yeah I had no idea where Al Pacino was so years later when I was watching something I might have been when I watched The Godfather for the first, first time and my friend was like and of course he was in Dick Tracy I was like fuck off who was he in Dick Tracy yeah. He was big boy for twat. It's like shit, no. Because <laughs> you know, you wouldn't look at a picture of it and be like, "Yeah, that's Al Pacino." Now you know it's kind of like, "Yeah, that's Al Pacino."
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: but at
2: the time, just kind of like, sort of fucking blew my mind. D- but, Dustin um, Hoffman is the one for me. At like, any time I remember that he was in Dick Tracy and then Hulk as well, it's just, yeah, it's just a complete chameleon in both of those movies for me.
0: That's it, and um. I think the one I recognised the most was um, The Kid. Charlie Corsmo. Because of, I mean, it was year after the fact. I probably didn't recognise him at the time for Dick Tracy, but I was like, he's in Hook. He's in What About Bob? He's, but, uh, he,
2: so every time I was like, that's the kid from Dick Tracy. And he's such a good kind of child actor. Like when I think of kind of the other big sort of kid movies from around the series, like I often think, oh, man, that would have been much better if it was Charlie Cosmo Like, this is a bit of a hot take, a bit controversial. I think he would have been better as John Connor than Edward Furlong. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, I, I don't... I, every every time I watch Terminator 2, I wish I loved it more. And I think a big part of it for me is just that Edward Furlong is so annoying in that movie. And See, I think someone I like st- Charlie Corsmo would be better. I do still love the film, but... And I don't
0: dislike Edward Furlong. I think sort of because that was my John Connor. I think as you know controversially i prefer um, nick stahl as john connor i know he's playing an older john connor um i just think there's something a bit more interesting about him as an actor um, yeah but like I, say, I, I know I, he's I played a different john connor so it's not fair to <laughs> compare the two sort of thing but i was kind of glad edward furlong didn't come back for terminator 3 as pointless as that film is
2: <laughs> it, it is the, the thing I like about Nick Style is he's he looks like he could be Michael Bean's son which is kind of fun
0: yeah and he, he looks like a guy who's been broken down by living off the grid yeah. I think again I don't know how true it is but there were rumours that and stuff I've read online that Macaulay Culkin was offered the part of the kid but opted oh. to do Home Alone
2: instead no I don't like that <laughs> <laughs> I think the bullet was dodged there um and I then do like got- Macaulay Culkin, but that, that wouldn't have worked. Hey,
1: you got a name? Kid. Kid? Kid. What's the name your mother and father gave you? What mother and father? Who takes care of you? Who takes care of you?
0: Again, it's, it's like imagining me. Mich- I love Michelle Pfeiffer, but I can't imagine her as breathless. Even having seen Fabulous Baker Boys. It's just kind of like, she's Catwoman.
2: Yeah. And I, I'm just picturing, um, I can't even remember her name or character's name in Scarface, but I, I feel like it would just be a rehash of that. Um, maybe maybe it would have been more along those lines as opposed to the more sort of uh, torch singer kind of vibes they went for with uh, Madonna. And then your other lean lady
0: is Glenn Hedley as Tess Trueheart, which I love her in that film. I fell in love with Glenn Hedley a little bit after that.
2: I read somewhere that Sean Young was supposed to play and, and actually film scenes. She was scenes.
0: cast, yeah. Um, I think about a week in, Warren Beatty realised he made a mistake. There was a thing that she claimed that she got fired because she turned down a sexual advance from him. Oh, God. Which I think there's a couple of people that have said that's not true. Um, I think they just realised that Sean Young was difficult to work with at the time. Clear. Um, which, again, I it's... I can't say I can only go on bits I've read in like Warren, books about Warren Beatty and various things I've managed to read about it online. Um, I think she is still in the film, I think in the bit where the kids are trying on the, unif- on the new clothes. I think the test that stood in the background facing away from the camera is Sean Young. Oh, interesting,
2: because uh, I, I, I had it in my head somewhere that the, the, the bit where the kid rushes out the door of the diner and i i i feel like you see the back of her shoulder or so, or I, maybe i'm confusing this with back to the future and the old uh, is this um what's the other guy's name oh it's um eric stoltz w- when eric stoltz w- when marty punches biff there's there's an old theory that it's eric stoltz's fist that hits biff and not michael j fox i maybe i'm confusing it with that
0: yeah i think there's a couple of bits i think that's that happens i know with um hicks and aliens there's a couple of shots where it's james ramar instead of michael bean Because I guess if it's from the back, why bother reshooting it? Mm. Um, Especially with Back to the Future, where they're on a timescale. We've only got Michael for these hours before he has to go back to working on Family Ties. So We'll just, anything we can get away with with Eric Stoltz. Um, I mean, that's a different podcast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I have opinions on Eric Stoltz. I'd love to see the footage of Eric Stoltz.
2: Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of it out out there now, but I mean, definitely, like, release all those rushes and just pay the man. (laughs) I mean, they don't
0: want to, because they don't want it to turn into a people turn on an Eric Stoltz thing, because it wasn't his fault. I think they all agreed that he wasn't right for it, and it was just unfortunate they got that far. Uh, I think the movies that made us thing, that they were sort of forced into using Eric Stoltz when they wanted Michael J. Fox all along. And I think even Eric Stoltz is kind of like, I wasn't
2: right. Yeah, well, God love Eric Stoltz, but I've I've watched The Fly too, and <laughs> I'm I'm not entirely sure that he was ever uh, right for any movie he's been in, except maybe Pulp Fiction. <laughs> he's he's good when he pops up
0: in Cameron Crowe films, say anything, okay. the like. But I don't dislike Eric Stoltz. I I've seen films in that he likes. It's just more a curiosity thing. I just would have loved to have seen what he did with the part of Martin McFly. Trouble is, it's so ingrained as being michael j fox yeah we'll just look at it and be like yeah that's just wrong and weird but like i say that's a different sort of podcast um and yeah then the only one we haven't touched on was um william forsyth's flat top which i'm amazed william forsyth didn't pop up in more things after that he's superb as flat top
2: yeah and it's a real no small parts type part like i mean he is so distinctive and so memorable even though uh, you know he probably has five lines in the movie but he's so menacing Um, with it
0: yeah he's a genuinely creepy like you know nasty character i know it's again it's played very much at a family kid audience kind of level but it's still you he's the one character i definitely want want to run into
2: I always remember that bit at the start of the movie where, uh, you know, they, they force Lips into the, the back of the car and it's like, these ain't cops. And he's like, <laughs> I, I, your
0: Lips. And when they go to, when they kidnap Tracy. And um, Influence is doing the voice of the woman from the child agency.
2: Hey,
1: Mr. Tracy.
2: I can't remember. what I just remember.
1: The boy belongs in an orphanage.
2: That, that scene.
1: <laughs> Peppermint. Try some. You know, Tracy, for a tough guy, you do a lot of pansy things. Is that right? Who is it? Mr. Tracy. Who is it? I'm Mrs. Scaff. I'm from the welfare department. The welfare department? I'm afraid we're going to have to take the little boy to the orphanage. Well, just give me one minute, Mrs. Scaff. I hope you understand, Mr. Tracy. As a single man, you can't just pick up a child from the streets and take him home.
2: Mr. Scaff, it let's discuss message.
1: this. It's the law. He has to be processed through the proper channels. And then uh, Mr. Scaff, a... if you you'll know. just leave this situation to me, I think
2: you'll... We don't want no kid copper.
1: Yeah, we don't want no kid copper. Get dressed.
0: <laughs> I know Warren Beatty sort of got criticized for being like kind of a bland dick tracy but it's kind of in that film what could he do i think he plays it perfectly for me
2: yeah i mean i I think think the whole need him to be the straight man and and that's kind of the whole point of the comic is that he's he's so utterly straight all the time and that you know he's so and and that's why i find the character arc in the movie so interesting is that you're you're taking this guy who was literally married to his job and you're introducing this idea that you know he could be happy and he could settle down, he could have a wife, and he's just struggling to reconcile the two lives, and then eventually he does. And and, and to your point, like maybe we don't need a sequel because we see him kind of learn to, you know, reconcile the two sides of himself, uh, sort of like what they they do in some of the Batman movies. Um, yeah. It's it's the RoboCop problem, isn't it? It's, yeah. Much it's like,
1: where do you go from there? Two.
0: RoboCop ends perfectly because he's got his humanity back, or at least. Yeah. There's enough of his humanity back that you can be like, yeah, he's Murphy again. It's like after he says, what's your name, son? He says Murphy. It's like, yeah, that's it. That's his art complete. The only thing you can do then is what they do in Robocop 2, where they remove his programming or reboot his programming, which does give you that hilarious thank you for not smoking scene.
2: No, I I, I think they could give him a jetpack and he could uh, fight ninjas, fight ninjas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah perhaps that's where dick tracy would have gone as well
2: is there ninjas i bet there is ninjas in dick tracy somewhere there is there is. in the comics
0: um they did two sequel books max alan collins did and i think the second one was dick um, tracy
2: goes to war
0: yeah which was meant to be on a submarine was it something to do with mrs Pruneface and a russian bad guy whose name i can't remember now I wanted to get the book, but it's like a hundred quid on
2: eBay. Like, I've I've also tried to get that book and yes, it is too expensive to be worth it, but I I really, really want to read it. It sounds great. It's weird because the Dick Tracy novelization
0: you can get for a couple of quid and the one that came after you can get for a couple of quid. It's just that one in the middle. I don't know whether it had a low print run or it rarely pops up so it sells for a higher price. But there seems to be this weird thing with Dick tracy stuff because when i started rebuying it you could get most of it dirt cheap i had Mm. like a box of dick tracy stuff sent to me that i bought off ebay for like a tenner there's loads of figures and stuff still in the packaging which is all in the loft um i had to make sure the wife was not home when that came but um yeah now all that stuff is ridiculously expensive which i'm not sure why because i don't think I think the cult following's there for Dick Tracy and but I still don't think it's big enough to be like the Batman eighty-nine toys or yeah. rebuying original Ninja Turtles. Um I think it's just, yeah. People start pushing the price up, people pay it, so it's fucking scalpers.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 gone really crazy on eBay at the moment, the way they're they're just artificially bumping stuff up that isn't worth anything. Like I I tried to buy some figures from Last Action Hero recently and It was just crazy. Like I I just gave up really quickly. I found out that there's a and that's the kind of thing you'd be like, it's cool, but why? (laughs) Yeah,
0: like I shouldn't pay any more than two
2: pound fifty a figure for these. I know. I know it's
0: still on the card.
2: I know it's not this episode, by the way, but I do know you're doing an episode on the shadow, and I did just buy three uh, the shadow action figures in their original cards i bought yeah i've got uh, one
0: in the loft in the card and then i recorded the episode the other day and alan sent me some of the swaps of the trading cards so they arrived the other day so i've been going through those i've got some lovely artwork on the artist ones
2: i i got the transforming lamont cranston which i've always wanted i got one where it's like a transparent invisible figure which is really cool and then i got the um the standard uh quick draw i think that's i think that's the one i've got yeah say it's a
0: a lot of my toys like that are up in the loft. With my, I've got a Kevin Costner, Robin, a Prince of Thieves one up there somewhere as well. Oh, cool. It's just so every time I go in the loft, I can feel a little bit like Indiana Jones when I rediscover all this stuff.
2: <laughs> it belongs in a museum.
0: <laughs> but Weirdly, the wife won't let me just fill the living room with it. I, I don't know why. She wants like a grown-up house. <laughs> but. but yeah, I mean, eBay's just porn for the nostalgic. Spend yeah.
2: hours on there looking at stuff. Me not used to have that. Used to have that.
0: I remember that.
2: I forgot I even owned it. For for me, it's more it's more the things that I always wanted but could never have, and now well, now you're Yeah, there's, get there's a lot old. of
0: that as well. Um, I bought a Dick Tracy hat off of eBay a few years ago. Unfortunately, it's slightly too small for my head. But <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I was never going to walk around town wearing it or anything. So
2: <laughs> obviously,
0: just because I always wanted one.
2: I'm sure I'm sure you will agree the ultimate thing to own from Dick Tracy is the, the, the two-way wrist radio. Yes. Uh, and I, I know that they did do that official one a couple of years ago, and then there was this big, uh, th- there was all that drama because they couldn't get the Bluetooth technology to work or something like that. But then they, they decided that they would sell their sort of um, prototypes that, that didn't have the Bluetooth in them but were still a perfectly good looking watch. Um, so you can buy those for like four hundred dollars or something like that. But I just can't. I just think four hundred dollars for essentially a quartz watch that isn't yeah. really. It, it's just too rich for my blood, I have to say. Um. So yeah, there's been I, a couple over the years that
0: ranged in prices, even when they came out. I think there was one that was released around the time of the film that was probably about a hundred pound, which was in nineteen ninety money. But I'd love to own like a prop. Like I say, I've got the kids' plastic one it was in that box of stuff I ordered off of eBay, but I've never taking it out of the packet or anything. Cause I'm, again, I'm not going to wear it. So what's the point?
2: <laughs> and, and, and is the kid's plastic one a functioning watch or is it just a toy? Yeah. It's got like a digital face. That's the clock face. Oh, cool. And then like I say, the bit
0: that's meant to be the speaker is a torch. Not that it would guide you through a tunnel or anything, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, um, I'd love, like I say, a proper one. But like you say, it's like four or five hundred quid and it's a very difficult spend to justify, especially as I would probably have an allergic reaction to it and would not be able to wear it anyway. (laughs) Plus, I'd be scared
2: to wear it if I smashed it or anything. (laughs) I did did find, though, I should mention this. I found a 3D printable um, version of the case for the watch and you can put your own kind of watch movement into it. And I found the watch movement that they use for the official one. So in theory, you could make one kind of out of like a rugged plastic or something like that for less than a hundred dollars. So I'm kind of investigating whether that might be a way of doing it. But definitely the, the official one, it does look amazing. It looks exactly like the one in the movie. But I'm I'm kind of into watches. I, I like watches and stuff like that. I, I yeah, I know from of,
0: the Lois and Clark groups where you're uh, trying to get yeah. clear images of Clark Kent's various watches
2: and for me like a core for anyone who doesn't know an automatic watch is is a watch that's kind of powered by the movement of your hand and you don't need to put a battery it, you wind it like like the old-fashioned way of having a watch like in the 1930s or whatever but a quartz watch is just a watch that you put a battery into it and for me a quartz watch is not worth 400 dollars. (laughs) no so that's why i just can't i can't uh bring myself to get it unfortunately now my friend alan burke um, who I have a podcast with I'll talk about later on he actually does own the official one and he says it's I, I've seen pictures of it and it looks gorgeous
0: I'd say where does he live and which door does he leave unlocked but given <laughs> what he does for an occupation it's probably not wise
2: <laughs> yeah he, he is an actual lawman so it's kind of fitting that he has one
0: yeah I mean if anybody should have a Dick Tracy watch out of us slot, it's, <laughs> it's probably Alan so <laughs> but kind of jealous though yeah me too but there's a weird lack of i don't know whether it's tied up to the unable to do anything with the um ip other than the comics but there isn't a lot of dick tracy merchandise out there anymore i think the last thing i bought was a bubble head and that was around 2005 ish
2: now that you say it did did they do a funko pop i don't know
0: if they did there's never been a funko pop it's probably the kind of thing that would lend to being a funko pop as well
2: Definitely, yeah, the big yellow coat. I'd definitely buy a Dick Tracy Funko Pop, and a, the blank Funko Pop would be great too. Although everyone would think it was Darkman or the Shadow or something. Yeah,
0: <laughs> uh, it's weird though, because there's a lot of like there's been several Rocketeer figures re-released,
2: um,
0: but nothing Dick Tracy. I would have thought it's sort of, out of all of those ones, it's primed for it. But like I say, I guess it not being on any streaming service, certainly in this country anyway. Um, and just the general lack of new IP other than comics means there's not the demand for it or not the perceived demand for it anyway I suppose it's difficult to justify making toys for something that isn't in the zeitgeist anymore
2: yeah and I, I think the the tricky thing with Tick Tracy now as well is given the times we live in and a lot of the kind of scrutiny law enforcement is finding itself placed under it's it's kind of difficult to imagine a resurgence of uh popularity in the character given that he's his whole thing is that he's like this really straight kind of straight lace <laughs> you know given that we
0: live in an age where people are going after paw patrol because it glorifies the police
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and that's kind of like part of what i like about the charm of this movie is that it it doesn't necessarily believe that everything he's doing is necessarily right like i i you know i I think it does it in a fun kind of fluffy way but like it, it definitely is kind of poking fun at the straight laceness of dick tracy the same way that like the adam west batman show was very much making fun of how straight kind of batman and robin were compared to how the villains were all kind of free spirits on that show and stuff like that
0: yeah, I get the as much as I love Dittray, I get the feeling he'd be more a Republican than a Democrat kind of.
2: Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Definitely doesn't
0: fall in the liberals. <laughs> you know, a Republican you can get behind kind of thing, but <laughs> not the extreme Republicans. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it is a tough sell. Although, given how many people seem to be turning on Batman at the moment, it's just to go like beating a psychopath who likes beating up the mentally yeah. disabled. Really? We. <laughs> I suppose, yes, but at the same time, he's Batman. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I imagine it would have to be a major controversy for him to ever get rid of Batman. The day you don't see a Batman toy in Tesco's or whatever.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I, I feel like with Batman, his popularity is so vast that if they do need to make any changes that they will, they'll just like gradually, you know, shift the character in a certain direction. The way way they've always done, you know, that kind of Um, whereas, you know, Superman and Dick Tracy and James Bond and all all these other characters that that they're sort of set in their ways a little bit more and like they kind of are what they are and you have to kind of take them as they are. And, you know, and and I I think that's probably why Batman is consistently being so popular for, you know, the last kind of 30, 40 years, whereas these other characters are starting to slip away a little bit. Um... That, that that's my 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 ted talk <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean like you and i could probably talk for hours on superman given
0: our shared love of the character yeah and, uh, and sort of the various attempts to reinvent him um but yeah i think like i say with take tracy you couldn't change him you couldn't make him a more liberal character he he has to be that kind of guy who rips the cord out of the phone yeah and doesn't really give a shit about flat off rights as a prisoner kind of thing
2: but uh, and like taunts mumbles for uh, <laughs> for being dehydrated Where's it?
1: Where's
0: it? <laughs> i love that when he slows that down it's like that's not how mumbles
2: works he mumbles it, he doesn't talk fast <laughs> it's really interesting actually the 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 oft-mentioned uh, audio action adventure that i keep talking about they didn't have mumbles in that at all and they they replaced him with the mole um and they made it a much more straightforward i i, I guess they figured it would be too difficult to do that in the, yeah like an audio adaptation so they just replaced him with like a generic kind of villain and like when when they're when they're doing that scene where it's like, uh, you, you know, that he's playing the tape back from, he, he literally just plays the tape and it's them all saying, Big boy, killed lips, manless! And that's all it is. Like, there's no big lead up or anything like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I imagine mumbles on a cassette, given how notoriously dodgy cassettes on Walkmans were at certain times, especially if the batches are running out. You'd constantly be hitting your Walkman. Like,
1: what the yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's. Like I said, I think part of me is kind of glad that Dick Tracy exists within that movie, that time period, as far as film goes. And merchandise, because there's something wonderfully, um, what's the word I'm going to call it, innocent, nostalgic about the original Playmates figures Mm. that were bizarrely done to fit in with the Teenage Mutant Ninja
2: Turtles line. I was going to say actually, because I have the turtles figures here beside me, it feels like that's what they were going for with these Dick Tracy. They're they're so cartoony and so stylized. Like they're not at all like the kind of more realistic kind of figures, like the Star Wars or the Batman figures that would have been big at the time. They're much more kind of weird and cartoony looking things.
0: Yeah, there's very little points of articulation in them. Um, It's a shame Dick Tracy doesn't come with an overcoat.
2: Yeah, that's that's the biggest
0: thing. I I bought a bigger one. I was so excited. We saw it at, back in the days when you used to have markets. I suppose you still have markets, but not so much rainbow where I live anymore. Um, but, yeah, there was a stall selling like Dick Tracy. Well, call him what it was. It was a doll. Uh, not the one that was like a Barbie doll, but it was a hard head, and then the body was soft. But he had the yellow coat on, and I made my mum go back and buy it for me. Amazing. I said, like, take my pocket money, and next time you go to the market, buy it for me. My stepdad mocked me Viciously for it. Oh dear. <laughs> like you know, not in a in that way that a certain generation like to mock the uh, yeah. younger generation for having a doll or whatever. Was like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, that was one I had to rebuy. I managed to get him with the proper Dick Tracy stand as well. So it's he's he's upstairs and proposition. I think I managed to get some of the others as well. I think they did a breathless one. Then they did some slightly smaller ones of like Big Boy and Flat Top. I think i got some of those in that box of Dick Tracy goodies I bought. I need to get that box down now.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs>
0: just take photos of it all. I quite like that Dick Tracy group on Facebook because he's got pictures of his collection. and I was just poring over that.
2: That's a, and that's then, a great group.
0: And just do that horrible thing of going on eBay and being like, can I, should I? It's difficult to justify at the minute. <laughs> Just looking at the little things, but then the little things that are only a couple of quid soon mount up when you buy, like, 20 of them.
2: Yeah, the, the, they always get you with the postage and packaging, don't they? And or, or and or the import charges. I'm always getting caught out with that stuff.
0: Yeah, like I say, I'd love to get a Dick Tracy police car. But I think a lot of the Batman the Animated Series toy collectors realise that those figures also sit nicely in them. And because they uh. look like 30s cars, they're kind of in keeping. So they've been buying them all up as they come, which has obviously been pushing the price up. That makes sense. I'm not sure if they're ever released in this country. You only ever seem to be able to buy them in America. So I wonder if they never made it over here. I have no recollection of seeing them in Toys R Us, but to be fair, it's not the kind of thing you remember. <laughs> but I remember more being in the magazine section at Ter- in Sainsbury's and they just had loads of Dick Tracy him on the front of various magazines. The magazine that tied into the film, the sticker book, all that stuff, uh, and I remember going to the Disney store in London in 1990, and it was just all Dick Tracy stuff, of which I couldn't have any of it because I didn't have any money, <laughs> and my dad, because I was senior school age by that point, was like, no, <laughs> you're too old for it. It's like, no, oh. this is the worst thing you can tell a kid. It's that whole, you know, you're a man now. It's like, am oh, I bollocks? I'm 11. <laughs> <laughs> Buy me that fucking car. <laughs> sort of ending it there then Um, Dick Tracy would you would you have liked to have seen a sequel where would you like to have seen a sequel go Um, would you like to see it remade or not remade but a new adaptation who Uh, would be Dick Tracy now
2: who would be Dick Tracy it's it's interesting that you say that because I read a really interesting review of the movie on Letterboxd where they were like one of the huge advantages of this movie is that it trusts you to know that it's funny and i thought that that was such a really interesting way of describing it because it's so true like they were sort of saying that like if this movie was made now it would have chris pratt in it and (laughs) dick tracy would say something like that's not a thing and there'd be all these kind of like jokes placed into the script where it's kind of you know punchlines and gags and things like that whereas this movie, the Dick Tracy from 1990, it's really, really funny, but it doesn't it doesn't have like gags or, you know, punchlines or anything like that. It's just it's just funny. You know that kind of way? Yeah. Um, and, and it trusts you to know that. And I, I thought that was a great way of saying it. And and to that, I would kind of say, yeah, I, I don't necessarily know. I, I feel like if if anything, I'd like to see a TV show. I'd like to see something like, you know, it, it doesn't need to be something that costs a lot of money. It doesn't necessarily need to have all the kind of prosthetics and all the kind of stuff that this movie is known for like you could just do a really stylized kind of police procedural set in this kind of 30s throwback era um i I think that could potentially be really interesting and you could do it on like a cheap and cheerful network like the cw or something like that you know Um, yeah it almost works like a gotham type show
0: yeah Gotham (laughs) gotham but i think it would work as like a crime of the week kind of thing maybe with a building up to an arc so sort of like mm. big boy is your overriding villain. He's your Lex Luthor of the first series kind of thing, and then it all mm. comes to a head.
2: It's funny actually you say that. I, I didn't I, I didn't watch a single episode of Gotham because I was just so against the premise of it, it just didn't make any sense to me why you'd make a show like that. But now that you say it, it made it, it's like... sense
0: initially when they were like it's gonna be about, you know, Batman's in the periphery and it's gonna be almost an adaption of the Gotham Central comic book.
2: Yeah, but the Which the was fact really that they... exciting. And then they I, just I, I bed. love I love <laughs> Gotham Central but part of why I love Gotham Central is because it's about the police doing this other stuff while Batman is out there yeah. doing his bit but this was a prequel and this was like oh know here's baby Bruce Wayne becoming Batman I was like oh don't do that again we had that for 10 years with Smallville you're just gonna fuck it up and sure enough they did you know, yeah, and, they and then they brought in all the villains route. and all that I was like, why are we doing this again, guys? But definitely with Dick Tracy, you could you could absolutely like You know, there's your show. I'd, I'd love to see that. Yeah, it's and uh, I'd like to see that more than I'd like to see another movie, because I think they just fuck it up. I think. Like I say
0: I think why this one feels like it's a perfect one and done is because everything wraps up. I think it would lend itself better to TV. That's why mm. the Bruce Campbell series sounded so exciting, even yeah, though that sounds great. Nothing ever came of it. It's in what it's in if chins could kill. It's in one of his autobiographies where he talks about he had an overall deal with Disney. And that was one of the things he wanted to put into development because they sort of gave him a list of properties that they either owned or had a hand in. And he was like, well, yeah, I'd love to do a Dick Tracy. He was like, I've got the chin.
2: Because Disney did do a lot of like live action shows of their movies with other actors. Like there was a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids show with Peter Scolari And there was, like, an Inspector Gadget straight-to-video sequel with a different actor. And there was all these things they did where it was, like, here's the cheaper version of the big-budget one you saw. So, like, there's no reason why they couldn't have done that, except, I'm guessing, Warren Beatty had the rights. Yeah, I think it was
0: all Warren Beatty just said no to everything. Which, I could understand it with a film, but a TV series, if anything, is going to benefit you coming back with a film. Yeah, definitely. It's... But, but then it's it, that whole complicated thing. It's like why you don't get a Batman TV series when there's always films and active development. To,
2: to answer your question, though, a sequel, I feel like knowing that, knowing what we know now that Max Allen Collins wrote that book, Dick Tracy Goes to War, I feel like that could have been interesting where I, I, I gather there's a bunch of kind of movies from the 40s and 50s where Dick Tracy is like a GI and all this stuff. Yeah. And I, that that would have been an interesting avenue to take that, you know, so you're you're taking your stylized kind of um a four color world and instead of it being like a mob movie it's like a war kind of you know fighting the nazis type movie that that could have been really interesting as well
0: yeah i think for me it's it would feel too different to what i love about the first film Mm. it'd almost be like taking a character from this film and in popping up a bit like um munch popping up in various different tv series yeah kind of like it's like he's in this and it's him but it's also not him as he was in this kind of thing yeah and it'd be a little bit like taking that character and plonking him in the middle of something else um it's a bit like i mean we'll come to it later wherever it falls in the series but the rocketeer that was another film that I was kind of like yeah i'm i'm satisfied yeah it's like it's nice to know there's potential for more but at the same time i don't need it (laughs) yeah yeah We, we said all we need to say i kind of miss There's something nice about the everything isn't pinned on a sequel kind of thing. Yeah,
2: Yeah. no, I I definitely agree. And I I think the way this movie ends is so lovely that there's that lovely shot right as the the last scene is about to start where you open on um, the shot of the window of Mike Steiner. And it's Tracy on the left and the kid sitting beside him and then Tess across from them. And it's, it's like this Norman Rockwell painting. That's just saying, you know, here we are, the ultimate kind of nuclear family and everything's OK. And it's it's so low. And Danny Elfman's score just swells up right as you see it. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like, where where could we possibly go from here? It's like the perfect happy ending. That's it.
0: I love the way he proposes as well. Yeah, it's such a machismo kind of. Awkward proposal, isn't it? But it, it wouldn't fly in real life
2: no sort of. it, it's a real kind of like some things never change <laughs> you know uh, that kind of way but I'd uh, no, it was I kind it. of
0: how I proposed to my wife in the end because I had this big plan for a thing and I realized that she didn't want it so I just sort of like I think she bought me a mini disc player and she was like you can have it when you propose so I sort of got the ring and was like there you go <laughs> and that was sort of my big proposal so it was sort of Dick Tracy-ish if not slightly more shitty but <laughs> <laughs> in retrospect but it's just
2: Two-way wrist radio, mini-disc player. Hmm. That's
0: it. I'd have taken the two-way wrist radio, I've got to be honest. If that was on the cards. <laughs> but it's not like it was a surprise. She'd pick the ring. So, But yeah, no, in the back of my mind, I always thought the Dick Tracy we're proposing would always be really cool. But not necessarily for the person on the other end. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not like I'd be rushing out to solve a crime.
2: Like rushing out and she's just left there looking at the ring. It's, it, it's like I'd need a damn
0: fine reason to just toss a ring at a woman and just be kind of like, You know, before running away.
2: (laughs) Did you tell her she was one in a million? Of course I did. She told me to fuck off.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Glad you could join us, Tracy. We thought you'd be much more comfortable meeting us here in the basement of your girlfriend's apartment building while she's away at work. You know, Dick, you mind if I call you Dick? My associates here would very much like to see you have a little accident. What? <laughs> I tell him, no. I'll take care of tracing myself, I tell him. You know why? I watch on my side! <laughs> and let me tell you what my side is. My side is a lifetime of action and adventure with no clock to punch. It's treating that galley was 100%. She should be treated like a princess, protected like a baby. You gonna put all that money down there? 15,000 clams. It's a deal. 15,000 grand. Welcome to new orders, Dick. <laughs> We're gonna run one hell of a ship with you aboard. There's a big world out there, and it's up for sale. All of it. All we gotta do is make sure that the people know I'm the one big enough to run it. And that you are guilty of attempting to bribe an officer of the law. Hey, That's hey. so fast, copper. You dumb dick all right
0: then so i think we've sort of covered dick tracy so i like to end these with the bernard pivo questions from well they're most famous from inside the actor's studio so i'm going to get my james lipton on Mm. um, if you don't mind me asking Um, so question one what is your favorite word charming nice i don't think we've had that one before uh what is your least favorite word liability interesting is that one you hear a lot or (laughs)
2: um yeah like because of the nature of my work it's the kind of thing that uh, i i'm a tv producer i work on a lot of um kind of like factual kind of reality type shows and when you hear something's a liability you're like (laughs) yeah i can imagine Uh, yeah (laughs) so it it, it does come up And, and then there's insurance and all that kind of stuff and you know so yeah no, that's fair enough. That's, uh, um, what turns you on? Self awareness. What turns you off? Self importance. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what,
0: in this age of self importance, <laughs> so, stay off Twitter, for
2: Christ's sake. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: All uh, social media. What sound or noise do you love? Ah, my own voice. Stuart, (laughs) that's what I have written down. I'm sorry. (laughs) Back to (laughs) self-important. Yeah, yeah. I I just crossed out my previous answer.
0: Uh, What sound or noise do you hate?
2: Now, this one I I really like to answer. Default ringtones. So, you you know, it's kind of not so much a thing now where everyone just has their phone on vibrate all the time do you remember when, you know, iPhones first took off and everyone had that same iPhone ringtone do, 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 or whatever it was? And it just drove me mad. It was like, you could literally have any sound from the beginning of time. And this is what you choose to have every single time your phone rings. It drives me insane. See,
0: it was the early days of mobile phones. And I 100% blame Trigger Happy TV for it. But that Motorola ringtone, <laughs> yeah i think because of trigger happy tv everybody just left yeah although there's nothing worse than a motorola version of your favorite song as well it's a bit like muzak but
2: <laughs> oh the like polyphonic ringtones yeah oh, i'd love to go back to them <laughs> there was, there, on was, one, called, there was one called upswing on nokia phones that i absolutely loved and i wish we could i i, I must download it and have it as my ringtone actually it was like do 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 do
1: do 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 do
2: Nice. I, I can't remember what I had. I might have had a
0: Guns and Roses Sweet Child of Mine for a bit, but just played like a mobile phone version. Um, that kind of word, actually. Um, what is your favourite curse word?
2: Now, this one, I, 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 I was a bit of a dilemma. So I, I was going to say bollocks just because I, I, I love it. it. It just rolls off the tongue so nicely. And I love that they're able to sneak it into American things. Um, like you'll you'll hear Colomini on Deep Space Nine. There's a great scene where he's just like bollocks. I'm like, oh, <laughs> excellent, because Americans don't know it's a curse word. But I have written down shithead because it just it it it's just so kind of violent and um, yeah, no, it's 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 really it's it's really forceful and I I really like it. He's a shithead. Yeah, Forrest Johnson Shit, was a shithead. Yeah probably not the first time he's heard that uh
0: what profession other than your own would you like to attempt uh
2: this is a slightly more earnest answer i i wish i'd done more acting than i did i did a lot as a as a young young man and i did a bit in school and a tiny tiny bit in college i i played juror number three in 12 angry men which i really really liked um so yeah, wish I wish I'd done a little bit more acting. I'm I'm very much behind the camera now, um, yeah. but would would like to do a bit more of that, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, I can, I can see that. I always like the romantic idea of being an actor, but at the same time, as soon as there's a camera in front of me, I'm just instantly self-conscious. I'm a bit like in the office where it used to pan across the office and the um, cleaner used to just freeze.
2: <laughs> a corpse.
0: <laughs> That'd yeah. be me. So um, I've done. I made a couple of films and loved doing stuff behind the camera, but again, just not a world I ever really got into. Again, I think lack of self confidence <laughs> and just yeah, you know, it's fine when you're dicking around with your mates. <laughs> yeah, I think once people are you know you got to put marks on the floor and there's all this shit to consider, it's like, shit now it's not as much fun anymore.
2: <laughs> yeah, I definitely think the the mar- hitting your mark and doing all that stuff and then also having to remember lines like that's where it stops being fun. Um, yeah. And and that's like a big w- one of the big things I did over over the various lockdowns, uh, going back to, you know, how the, the geeks have inherited the earth a little bit. Like my friends and I would do um, Zoom movies every week and we'd watch like because, you know, right before the first lockdown, uh, No Time to Die was delayed. And that was the, the big movie, that, the first big movie that was delayed. So I thought, right, well, fuck this. I'm going to write my own James Bond movie and we're all going to perform it on Zoom. And we did that and uh, it was it was just so much fun Um, and like a a big part of like a a quote unquote radio play or like a Zoom movie like that is you you don't have to worry about hitting your mark or wearing a costume or getting your facial kind of movements right or anything like that. You're just shouting at a screen. Um, So that was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. um, Yeah. No. See. Every time No Time Time to Die is supposed to be coming out, we've gone into lockdown to the point where I'm kind of worried that we're about to go into a third one.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're,
0: s- they're ramping up the publicity machine at the minute,
2: just like they did last time. That's <laughs> it. Okay, like I kind lockdown three is coming. I I don't know if you saw, but they've just pushed uh, Top Gun Two and Mission Impossible to 2022 now. So yeah, I am. Let's see, I'm really looking forward to Mission Impossible. <laughs> Yeah, yeah me too yeah
0: Top Gun 2 I can take or leave I wasn't a massive fan of the original Top Gun. Yeah I'm the same actually for whatever reason but yeah I've been dying for this Mission Impossible film since the last one. Um again that's a whole other podcast. Um it's weirdly, I'm more excited for Mission Impossible than I am Bond and I'm a massive Bond fan
2: i i'm probably more excited for bond but i like mission impossible fallout i think at the time i said it was the best action movie i've ever seen and i probably i'd probably stand by that
0: yeah i think i would as well i i've not been a massive fan of the craig films i must admit they're good and he's good but it's just missing that bondiness for me
2: i i love casino royale and i really 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 like skyfall and i think there's interesting stuff about the other two but they're not great. Um, yeah. I I I think Daniel Craig is absolutely amazing, but I just wish they'd planned the the series out a little bit more. Yeah, um, and I I think there was a lot of reasons that they couldn't do that. I know there was the writer strike with Quantum of Solace, and then there was legal stuff before Skyfall. But there was no excuse for Spectre being bad. <laughs> like they they could have made that one good. That's the only one where I'm like. No, there was no excuse there.
0: See, I enjoyed Spectre at the time, but I think because the yeah, gun barrel was finally back at the beginning, it could have been a blank screen for two hours afterwards looking like they took the fucking gun barrel <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah.
2: Don't give me a shit. Yeah, <laughs> but, no, I, I, There's definitely stuff in it that I like. but I, I think with the
0: exception of Casino Royale, the others lack the rewatch value for me. They're not as easy to just, if you're flicking through and it happens to be on, sort of drop into like you can with the others. I
2: think um, Skyfall has some of that, but generally I would agree, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think I enjoy Skyfall more. Again, I think I was so pissed off that the gun barrel wasn't at the beginning. Mm. It's like, this film's just opened like any other movie. That's not how a Bond film opens. Yeah. And it was part of the thing with Quantum of Solace, but they put it at the end, so I kind of got it. But the whole thing... We've gone off on a massive tangent, but
1: <laughs> the whole
0: thing with Quantum of Solace was meant to be, he's finally Bond. And then you got Skyfall, and it was like, oh, he was Bond, but you missed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's past yeah. it, Bond, now. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake, just... I want one Daniel Craig film where he's Bond, like proper full-on Bond. Yeah. But. But yeah. Anyway, uh, like I say, we went off on a massive tangent. Then uh, we'll have to do a separate Bond one at some point.
1: Yeah, one
0: hundred percent. What profession would you not like to do?
2: Now, I've I've written down Plexi the dinosaur. I'll need to explain that one. My first <laughs> job was in a kids kind of ball pool area in uh, off to the side of a bowling alley and they would have birthday parties kind of three or four times a day and there was a cartoon dinosaur type thing that the staff would have to dress up as this dinosaur and sing the happy birthday song and um, the the dinosaur's name was Plexi and I would have to dress up as him many times a day Um, often because I was the only one tall enough for it that was the excuse <laughs> I was given so I would have to, you know, clap my hands and shake my ass and do all this like really, really awful degrading stuff. All the while, you know, the, the slightly older kids would be pointing at me, going, "That's not a dinosaur. That's a man." Like it was a Austin Powers movie or something. Um, he's not a dinosaur. He's a man, baby. And uh, I remember one day they actually did catch me with the mask off, and they were like, you know, they, they were pointing and laughing, like screaming with excitement. Because as if they were, you know, like, you know, the Scooby-Doo gang and they just the master <laughs> monster. And, you know, it, it nearly brought me more shame that they saw me like that. Like, um, so, yeah, I, you know, to, to amend the question a little bit, what profession would you not like to do? Again, my answer would be Plexi the Dinosaur.
0: Yeah, I can 100% understand that. We I run a Comic-Con and as part of it, I decided to get a mascot costume and like to drum up promotion for it when we used to hand out leaflets in town. And um first time I did it, wonderful experience. Kids loved it. Second time we had these kids that were like, That's not really your head, those aren't really yeah. your feet. And they just started stomping on my feet. And it <laughs> yes. was it was weird because it was like, you know, six, seven year olds, but they really fucking traumatized me to the point where I was like, that's just going back in fucking storage. Yeah. So we're never doing that again. My friend dressed up a couple of times in it so i could hand out the leaflets which i also hate doing but but yeah just being in that costume was horrible I'm weirdly self-conscious even though nobody knows it's me yeah it's just it's why i can't cosplay it's uh just like i say it's the same as having a camera suddenly pointed at me just suddenly aware that people are looking at me and it's not what i'm into
2: yeah <laughs> it's, it's my podcast it, work it's interesting you say that about cosplay like i i cosplay a lot but now that you say it, it it is slightly more unnerving when you're wearing a mask because everyone's kind of like looking at you a slightly different way. They're like, who's that underneath that mask? And they all want to like pull the mask off. <laughs> Again, just that
0: big Scooby-Doo thing, isn't it? Everybody wants yeah. to hear that big reveal. And it was Rob all along. <laughs>
2: all
0: right. And last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates?
2: apologies for any inconvenience caused during the waiting period <laughs> that's the best i could come up with guys i'm sorry
0: <laughs> it's, it's either that or you know sorry about dean kane <laughs> sorry about dean
2: kane yeah that's, <laughs> i'd accept that
0: <laughs> so uh dean kane sort of leads us on a little bit to uh what else you've got going on and where people can find you and other things yes a, uh, as much as dc probably don't want that association anymore
2: unfortunately not um well f- fortunately not um yeah so i i do run the all-star super fan podcast which is a superman podcast ab- about any and all things relating to uh, the 80 year legacy of the man of steel i run that with alan burke who is also a big superman fan you'll find us on facebook at all-star superfan and instagram as well and then i think we're on twitter at all star super pod but uh, i'm not even sure you know this i have another podcast called dick tracy minute where i uh, go through dick tracy one minute at a time and um we we've we've hit a little bit of a lull i think we we made it about seven minutes in and we do have a bunch more episodes we've recorded that haven't come out yet but um the first the first i think four or five are definitely on um anywhere you can get podcasts you can check them out um there as well and um, so yeah we, we we go in depth into like each minute of the movie Um it's myself and my friend parker from canada who's a huge fan of the movie as well so definitely i
0: think i found that on twitter or instagram didn't realize it be... yeah <laughs> <was like>, that, <laughs> that sounds me. like a weird idea for a podcast i
2: kind of love it <laughs> the, the, there's a there's a bunch of them out there's a there's one called bat minute um where it's it's all the batman movies one minute at a time there's um there's a Robocop minute. There's the star Wars. So like any movie, any movie with a big cult following tends to have a minute by minute, um, movies by minute kind of podcast. So, so yeah, that's awesome. Um,
0: I'll put the sh- links to the show notes. I'll put the links to both of those in the show notes rather. Um, yeah. And sort of where can people find you online? If indeed you want people to find you online.
2: Um, you can follow me then on Twitter at, uh, the White. So I, I kind of routinely, uh, post there and then i I'm, I'm in a lot of kind of facebook groups as well lois and clark the legacy and um, i post a lot on the all-star Superfan, the the main kind of page there so you'll find me in, in a bunch of those kind of things
0: cool. yeah i think it was lois and clark the legacy that we sort of met through
2: yes that's right yeah it's so. a great little group and uh, again our, our friend alan kind of put that together and um it's, it's a lot of fun so any 90s kids out there you'll you'll definitely find your kindred spirits in that group
0: yeah, I think I was the hundredth like on that page. I was quite proud. Oh, of Oh wow. Well.
2: <laughs> congratulations!
0: <laughs> <was> One hundred. <laughs> didn't get a prize or anything, but you know, in my head I did. I've got a little certificate. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, that's awesome. Thank you for doing this. Uh, Thank you for having me. It's, uh, I was gonna say I've enjoyed talking dick with you, but that's just
2: good. <laughs> <solid laughs> in retrospect, dick, yeah. as
0: a clip that a bit taken out of context. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Awesome. Cheers, Rob. Thank you so much, Stuart.
0: Tracy, uh, I'd like to say a huge thank you again to Rob for joining me for this episode to talk about the movie. I uh, really enjoyed it. hope you enjoyed listening to it too. Uh, if you have some thoughts on the film, uh, Dick Tracy obviously, uh, or this episode in general, please leave a comment on the socials of the Podbean page. We'd love to hear from you. Um, I'll post all the links in the show notes so you can find us by searching The Nose Horn Themselves on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we also have an And Why Not group page on Facebook uh, if you fancy checking that out and joining in the discussion. Um, yeah, again, like I say, it'd be great to hear from you on this film and maybe tell us your favourite films and everything as well. Um, I'll also post all the links in the show notes for uh, Rob, where you can find him, where you can find All-Star Superfan Podcast and um, the Dick Tracy Minute Podcast. Um, yeah, thank you for listening. This has been an one and production and I've been Stuart Moraine. Join me again next week when I'll be joined by Andy Cliff to talk about The Phantom. Thanks for listening. Bye.